0: Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode, we're discussing the albums of 1995. If you listen to the last episode, we went beyond 10, our normal. And I get the feeling it's going to be that way from here on out. It's going to be 12, maybe 14. As you get older, you start adding more to your repertoire. Uh, John, do you, did you do you think that you're adding more as the years go on? Oh, my lists
1: are. I start off with very, very, very long lists, and I've been paring them down. Uh, oh, since we first started. I've had pretty much uh, thoughts on every single album through the end of the 90s.
0: Right, so, well, didn't it, did, when we began, wasn't it only five each? Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and that's where it was kind of interesting. And I think when I when we got to 85, I was telling you, it's like, oh, no, 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 I, I need more than five albums. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, I was thinking because... When you're a kid, you only hear what's on the radio. You really didn't have a whole lot of albums except what maybe what your parents listened to. So I think that makes a big difference. Uh, and I threw away my list again. God, forsaken human being. You know, the ones that didn't make the list? Son of a bitch! <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, like, I
1: even I at one point realized I, there was an album I would have done for this year, but I totally blanked on it until I was out... Uh, CD shopping at a used store, and I saw it. And I went, "Oh yeah, that was in '96." And I'm looking at it
0: like '95. Oh no. Yeah, and, and it's happened a few times, like K, uh, uh, not KMFDM. Uh, uh, damn it, the band that was connected to third base, where uh, MF Doom started with KMD. Uh, you know, I missed what year their album came out. And we're going. I'm going off Wikipedia. Is that where you usually search, like music of 1994, and then you go to the albums released? Yeah, yeah. And some of them they miss. And even at the bottom, they even have an additional list that says, we're not sure when this came out. So I never know where to put it. Um, but I'm always, like, kind of disorganized. So I try to do the best I can to make my life a little less chaotic. So I, I end up throwing away the list with 30 albums on it. So I forgot. I will say this. This was a big year for soundtracks for me. I remember having the Jerky Boys soundtrack. um, an actual really good soundtrack, way better than the movie. The Mallrats soundtrack, ditto. Um, as I get older, I don't like Mallrats as much. And then I had the Angus soundtrack, uh, Empire Records. I feel like there's a couple others in there. I think we all had the Batman soundtrack, Batman Forever soundtrack. <laughs> it's like yeah, keep. It's like, yeah well, this is this
1: is the year, uh, well, the decade, where soundtracks are amazing.
0: Yeah, and oh, and Clueless, like right. Movie, that was one of them.
1: Like, especially if the movie sucks.
0: Yeah, it almost seemed like it was like, well, we're screwed. At least we can get something off, like the Hackers uh, album. I remember being really popular. Johnny Mnemonic. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I feel like that's. I, I feel like I mostly just listened to soundtracks this year. There's a lot here, but I don't have a whole lot to say about them either. And I know that's kind of stupid, but sometimes I just, I don't know. There's nothing really I need. I think you and I are of the same like uh, mindset now, where it's like, let's just get through these. Uh, if you want to look it up, just go off a recommendation. There's not a whole lot to say from.
1: Well, it's like it, it was like a lot of your things. Chances are, most of the bands I had heard or at least seen something on MTV from your list. But I was I'm, honestly, I was unfamiliar with them.
0: almost half of them. Oh, really? In the sense, sense of I've never owned an album, nor oh. did
1: anyone I hung out with have them. So it's like this; these were effectively first-time listens to, even though, you know, it's like, I'm sure I've seen videos from mostly fans.
0: Yeah, a lot of these were, and I, was, I think I only owned three, four of these at the time, maybe five, and and one of them I didn't own until 96, because it didn't break out until the next year. So, um, I went first last time, I believe, so you go first. Alright, well, let's kick things off with Bone thugs and harmony East 1999 Eternal. What an unusual rap style, and I kind of like when they have something unique. They don't, you know, you can automatically tell who they are, but it does inhibit it a little bit. Like I was listening to the Fushnikins and they have the one dude that does like the wacky Looney Tunes kind of style rapping. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I've never heard of them. Um, they had a one, they had a one hit wonder with Shaquille O'Neal what? called "What's Up Doc? Can We Rock?" Um, but the guy, the guy will do like, uh, and then uh, whatever in between his raps, and it's so weird. And uh, the start me kind of have that sing-song way of rapping, but really fast, like a Jamaican infusion kind of thing. That's a little more mainstream, and they had a few hits, right? Oh, gotcha. besides Crossroads. Yeah, well, the Crossroads
1: came off this album. There was also First of the Month. And then uh, on subsequent albums, there was If I Could Teach the World, there was uh, "Looking to My Eyes, which is off about on the Batman and Robin soundtrack.
0: The, uh, the first of the month is a song I had never heard of, and we were at the uh, gym I was working on. This is almost 10 years ago. And they started singing it or whatever, because it was like you know May 1st or whatever. And I go, what is that? And they're like, what the hell? You don't know what that is? I go, oh, no, I don't. I have no idea who sings that. And they're like, Lux and Harmony." How do you? You weren't poor, were you? And I go, yeah, I was poor. I just didn't hear the song.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh man, like this. Okay, so this was the first Bone album that I had heard. Uh, a friend of mine had picked up picked up album because we had all, you know, everyone had seen the Crossroads on MTV, and it's a hell of a song. Yeah. And I think under, in his thought, it was probably a little bit not, I wouldn't say gospel. (laughs) Let's not go there, but, you know, probably thought it was a little bit... Spiritual? Something probably more along the lines of, uh... uh, Like, standard hip-hop, you know, more R&B-oriented stuff.
0: Yeah. And
1: You know, then you listen to the album, and it is not that, (laughs) in any way, but, uh... Shit, man! This album is fucking fire, man. From beginning to end, and yes, uh, granted, gangster rap it is. It is one of those albums, but the style in which they present their all their stuff is so interesting because it's this harmonious staccato uh, style where they are blending themselves into each other more so than they're like like
0: say Wu Tang where it's okay, I'm going to flow now. Now someone else is going to flow. Yeah, well, I never feel like Wu-Tang is even in the same room with each other. I feel like they all record the different parts separately and put it together. And theirs is based around harmonies. Like, you know, we would see a big movement in this a few years later, like with Jurassic 5, where they're clearly working off of each other in the studio. You know, and and the harmonies and chorus are, are a big part of it. And I think these guys really... They took a little bit of the old-school rap, you know, because where they were trying to, you know, link into each other, Um, but but doing it in a whole different way.
1: Yeah, it's not not that the rap was always just one person, then another, you know, we're going to take turns or anything, but it was very much that, yeah, it's like you'd have, like, you know, busy or lazy is is rapid, and then all of a sudden, you know, Wish or someone else would be kind of flowing into it, and, uh, like we said, harmonizing with... uh, with how it's going instead of just kind of like, you know, maybe a call and answer or something like right. that. Right, well, where their
0: voices are more like instruments. You know, they're they're working together.
1: Yeah, and that's really like, you know, it's like, sure, you've got some like kind of heavy, you know, aggressive stuff, but I think my favorite song off the album is the final cut, which is called Shots from the Double Block. And it's like, you know, not exactly the most... <sighs> Crowd pleasing, uh, well, uh, quote unquote, maybe well adjusted song, <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's like everything about it is these, these guys paint this interesting picture in every track. Like uh, down seventy one, the getaway is effectively a, uh, a you know, LA, not LA crime film, but, uh, but a crime film put to music, and you just kind of like going down this uh, down this escape almost and it's just like you know you just you're mesmerized by what's going on more so than uh, you know like you can't sit back and listen to it you just kind of almost become invested in a world painted around you
0: at least for me anyway yeah I love the fact that they're all it's like the Ramones thing where they all have a last name Bone (laughs) (laughs) I think mean, Lazy Bone performed at the Pot Dispensary place that was uh, right around the corner from where I lived in uh, Salem.
1: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's uh, sadly it's they have since more or less broken up, and there is Bone Thugs, which I think it's. Basically, like only two of them now are effectively together as a group. Actually, but yeah, this is this is a hell of an album, and uh, you know they were mentored by Easy E, and that's and the album's kind of kind of dedicated to him, and so is song Crossroads in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. And if you uh, hear anything weird in the background, that's my cat. Uh, she's got the zoomies at the moment, so <laughs> if you hear galloping, that's her.
0: I didn't know cats has got zoomies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, All right. Yeah. Anything else you want to say on this one? No, nope, you're up. All right. Ruth Ruth, Laughing Gallery. Nobody's ever heard this album. I only know this because a friend of mine had it, and I became obsessed with it. I borrowed it for way too long <laughs> until I had to go buy my own copy. I'm sure you've never heard of this band. Oh, God, no. Uh... <sighs>
1: okay, I guess, I guess I'll be the bullshit on this parade. Uh, I didn't like
0: it. Aww. But, but I'm going
1: gonna, I'm gonna... to do say this, because I really feel like, I I don't want to punch down on this band, because I don't think they ever found an audience it kind of feels like. I think it's their only album. And, you know, it's like, I genuinely, I'm not going to, I don't want to be mean about this, because it, it feels like this is a band that was interested in writing, like, radio or MTV-friendly songs, but not necessarily things that they had a passion for. So, it, kind of feels like this album is hollow to me like I sort of well no I think I used the word soulless when I was talking about Weezer but it's like it's a different kind of thing where I'm like it just feels like these songs weren't, weren't what they necessarily wanted to do like they didn't have any like personality in these songs like there's an album that we're gonna discuss a bit later on your side that I didn't really like at all but I will tell you that album was brimming with personality at every moment and just because i didn't like it didn't mean that uh, these guys weren't putting their like full you know full passion into every single moment of that album and this just didn't have that it was just kind of like yeah here's you know 10 you know 10 11 songs and i i did like bald marie i did like neurotica but it's just kind of like huh this, this is the really the most disposable thing i've ever heard and it, you know it's like i it feel bad because again doing research about them cuz i've never heard of this band just going yeah they it just kind of feels like they got a record they got a record deal and then
0: you know maybe the record pressured them into doing it do this and it just wasn't fun. I just thought it was poppy. I love pop, <laughs> it's pop, it's er, It's early pop punk with some grunge infusion, so it can seem kind of generic. But I, I fucking love this album, I love every single song, so I, I guess I don't know what else to say about it.
1: Well, and that's, and that's the thing, it's like I, I feel bad saying that because it's like you sit there and go, you know, it's like what if this is their only album they took a shot and it, and it missed and you don't want to like, like haha you suck when you know people have been doing stuff a lot longer and you know it's like you know wow your, your joy is all out of your music and it's like this. I wish I wish I could have an example of like a pre album EP or something something to judge this album against to see if if I'm right if I'm wrong something you know
0: all right, your turn.
1: Let's see. We will go down... Oh, here's... Yeah, we'll do this one. Uh, and I'm sure you loved. Probably your favorite one. At the Gates, Slaughter of the Soul.
0: <laughs> go ahead and talk about it, because... I got nothing. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, okay, um...
1: It's, this is one of the bands that uh, pioneered the Gothenburg sound of death metal which is referred to as melodic death metal and that sounds so much like a contradiction but it's basically the fusion of more melodic elements from like the new wave uh, British heavy metal bands and then death metal and Gothenburg uh, in Sweden was where bands like this Inflate, Dark Tranquillity, all kind of formulated this sound and we've heard a little bit of, of this in and out, but you also didn't like last time or two times ago, uh, from carcass. And basically this was their out, al- their final album. They, the pinnacle of their sound, they kind of broke up until 2007, I think it was. And from talk to Bob, this thing is just rips heavy, but you gotta be willing to go on a trip through, uh, aggressive guitars and uh, rally screamy vocals yeah <laughs> but, but yeah uh, it's a good album though you know definitely not, not the best the genre has to offer but definitely one of the earlier ones
0: yeah if um, you if you have listened to the show you'll notice slowly that like, you are going into deeper heavier stuff and stuff's more obscure and I'm kind of generica <laughs> just mainstream mall America during the 90s <laughs> Yeah, we all have to we all have to go somewhere on, on these trips <sighs> which will bring me to my next album which is 100% mainstream America playing in the mall at Ambercrabby and Fitch uh, <laughs> is Better Than Ezra, Better than Ezra Deluxe um, yes I know this is like sister rock stuff of my, but I just I really like that they're just something, I guess it's adult alternative is that what you would call this Oh
1: yeah, yeah. That's that's a lot of what you picked as would be. Uh, it was what, adult contemporary, I think, was uh, the term that was coined. Yeah,
0: something like uh, adult alternative or something like that. You know, it's just stuff that's not as hard rock. It's just kind of like chill. They had a couple big hits off of this one. No one ever. They. I hate it when time erases the rest of the hits because now they're only remembered as the band that sang good. If anybody remembers them at all. And uh, in the blood, good and Rosalia were the hits off this one. They had a couple of hits off the next album, and I think I think that they're just kind of tossed away and forgotten from this era. I just I just I thought they were really pleasant, and I jammed along with it.
1: Yeah, uh, I wasn't uh, again another one like necessarily wasn't digging so much, and I I really don't know if at the time I would have dug it either. I'm like genuinely trying to think back to that, and. This felt too soft, quote unquote, to me. Like, I love loud discordant music and all that stuff, obviously. But then again, I also have stuff like Tori Amos and, you know, all yeah. so these other things. So it's like, I do have a very wide breadth of, of enjoyment for between the heavy and, and light. And I don't know, just my first reaction to
0: listening to this was. This is soft. You know, like a baby blanket. <laughs> well, at the time, I was at... Okay, so, I mean, I like this music, period. But um, at the time, uh, the guy who lived next door to us in college was in kind of one of these cover bands that did this kind of stuff. You know, Wallflowers and whatnot. And we just spent lots and lots of time at coffee houses. We're always hanging out at coffee houses. Because this is the time period, you know, where everybody was just kind of like hey, let's go smoke a cigar and hang out at the coffee bar or whatever and, and just hang out with a, our smart artistic friends, you know, that kind of thing. And it just I feel like that kind of music really leaked into my head. Plus, like I said, I have a younger sister, and she listened to a lot of this stuff, so I, I heard it too.
1: Well, one thing I will say is, from listening to this album, I wouldn't mind seeing them live. I think they might. it might be one of those bands that I would enjoy seeing them perform. Yeah or so they just kind of listened
0: to them in a studio environment. To this day I still regret better than Ezra and Harvey Danger were touring together in 2000 and I could have went and saw them but I got hurt really bad. My back was killing me so I didn't go and I to this day I deeply regret it. Oh, you lost your chance, man. Yeah. Um so my favorite joke from SNL of all time from Norm Macdonald is uh, top forty hits this week. Uh, number one is uh, "Better Than Ezra," and uh, number two, "Ezra." <laughs> not, <laughs> not a bad one. <laughs> it's so simple and one, so. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, but that's also You can definitely, you can also very easily hear the Norm Macdonald voice in that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right,
0: you're next. My right, next one is "The Far Side." With Lab Cabin California. I really like uh, The Far Side. They have another one like Bone Thugs and Army with a very particular odd sound. I feel like there was something else that was kind of counteracting. Um, gangster rap. But also coming out of the school that was kind of... I'm pulling back a little bit was the... Tribe Called Quest that set the, the standard, I think, for most of the 90s. But I also feel like there was kind of a southern-infused acid rap kind of going on with people under the stairs uh outcasts in in the far side during this time period the roots yeah Yeah, there's yeah there's another one on here that uh I'm
1: not gonna say if we've named them or not but uh they do show up on my list as well and yeah it's there's very much a in, in rap you had yeah gangster rap was very popular and kind of kind of leading where you know where the musical direction was going, but then you also had kind of these somewhat, somewhat outliers, where like okay, Far Side, their, their first album, The
0: Bizarre Ride to the Far Side, is really the more popular album. Yeah, that's and the one with the, the uh, more fish in the sea, right, or something like that. Yeah, it, it's a more fun album,
1: but I genuinely think uh, this one is far, you know, far better put together.
0: Yeah. Like it, well, it's, it's all. It's also interesting, as a lot of these bands were starting to move away from samples, and they weren't doing digital music like the way it is now, where it's really flat. They were using real instruments.
1: Yeah, well, in this one, this was sampled, but, you know, it's like, they're sampling jazz and stuff like that. And that's that's the stuff that I really, uh, if you've listened to the shows where we have talked about a lot of these hip-hop bands, They'll always kind of end up being like the fun parts of using interesting samples, and I always seem to kind of jump onto. Oh yeah, these guys kind of use jazz, or they're using something that's not necessarily uh, conventional of of what you would imagine. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. Which would so, be which would heavily influence like Missy Elliott and uh, uh, Buster Rhymes. Like you know, five years from now.
1: Oh God! Yeah. Yeah, like
0: even less than that for Busta. Yeah, okay, yeah. I guess it was only a few years, huh? It feels it feels longer, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead, though. Like, I keep interrupting you.
1: Yeah, but what's kind of nice about this was it's uh, it's a bit more somber. It's there are more darker themes on this album, but in instead of it being like someone you know sh- you know spewing bile at uh, at the darkness and trying to you know spit out the anger at what he, what they're experiencing, this is actually kind of laid back. It's more of like someone kind of, you know, sitting back, you know, got a, got a glass of good whiskey, and you're just uh, talking about what's going on. You know, the issues and stuff, and you're not, you're, you're teaching, you're showing, you're, you're, you're giving examples of all these things, but you're not you know, I'm getting overly aggressive about it. and it's like you know running uh is probably the biggest
0: song on this you know she said and drop ross a single well passing me by right Is out that, that's from this album yeah, right yeah and yeah that's, that's the fun. one that i know
1: yeah uh it also it's like bullshit groupie therapy is really good uh hey you and the hustle are fucking bangers also this This album is is fucking intense and great.
0: I love it. Yeah, I gotta tell you, the last half of your list (laughs) grabbed me more than the first half because I'm usually not really into industrial or metal, like metal metal.
1: Yeah, I I know I've got some. I definitely may pick some interesting things, and also kept some things off because of some of the things I picked. But anyway, what's up
0: for yours? Uh, okay, the one that you didn't really want to listen to, you were kind of like, eh. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Radiohead, The Bends, is my next album. Yeah, this
1: this was the biggest hurdle for me to get over because I don't like Radiohead. It's mainly because I don't like Tommy Yorke. You know, but I genuinely go into all of these albums and I want to give them the fair shake.
0: No, it's as a person, right? Not as a singer or a songwriter or anything like that?
1: Well, I think it's as a person, but I think it's that goes into his songwriting stuff because I think he's he's got a, his head up his own ass. He loves the smell of his own farts. And the, the whole thing of... It, it basically kind of turns the music into this pretentious nonsense more so than, you know... If it was anyone but Tom York's personality being shown to me really might have been my favorite band for all I know yeah. you know I, I could I could probably I probably listened to this stuff far more objectively it's you know la, you know, later albums far more objectively been like okay so what he did with this album is these songs end where on this album these songs begin so they're kind of like they flow into each other but this is like you know Five years apart, or something. You know, I can't remember which two albums those are, but it was like one of those things where I read about it and went, "That would be cool," but I'm never gonna listen to those fucking albums
0: because I <laughs> fucking hate guy. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of their mid album uh, between, you know, OK Radio. What, was it OK? What the f- OK Computer is the next one. And that that's the one that everybody went crazy for, and it, I think that's their best album. The first one is much more hard rock, and this one's kind of a, like a mellow mood setter. I remember listening to this a lot, like the summer of '96. My sister had another one of those, or it was her album, and I just really got into it. Would chill, like sometimes I would just nap to it, and just, it's kind of one of those calm, atmospheric kind of things. So I think I think it's weird that overseas uh this was massive they had like six singles and i think we only had one high and dry it was the only one that really hit. i only know fake plastic trees because it's on the clueless soundtrack
1: well it's like that uh yeah high and dry i recognized and i also remember just
0: uh oh yeah okay yeah like, i think that was a single too here
1: and it's like and i I'll, I'll just add an objective thing i did not dislike this album uh i did start reading the making of the album on dr wikipedia while I was listening to it And then I had to stop Because it started to piss me off And make me go Oh It's that tortured artist Bullshit Uh <laughs> Thing Cause I remember One of the things that also Kind of turned me off God damn I don't want to start Doing this But it's
0: the whole Tommy York I don't want to play creep. Oh yeah that's annoying Why should I Why should I play the song That everybody
1: loves And they're the Song that's the reason For my band's existence
0: yeah, my uh, sister went and saw Blues Travelers and they refused to play any of their their three hits or whatever, and she was like, this sucks. like four-hour jam session.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, shit. I saw Ministry. Uh, the second time I saw Ministry, it was for the Ameri- American tour. And they pretty much played, because American is their anti-Trump record, uh, they pretty much played that entire record in its entirety. And then at the end of it, Al comes Al's out, thanks us for listening to his politics, and then says, Here's a you know, here's a dog bone for all of you, and they start playing all the hits. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fun. He knows what what the crowd is technically there for. We all want to hear uh, you know, so what and Jesus built my hot rod and all that shit. So he's going to play that, but he's also going to have, you know, it's like, here's our new stuff. We're gonna force you to <laughs> listen to do that. And then we're going to have fun, because we all know, know why you're here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's... I don't, I'm not going to get on the soapbox. I did write a rant of a bit, but it's... I dislike the whole tortured musician thing. Not because I don't believe being famous sucks, and uh there's obvious i I get it there are pressures to having like paparazzi and shit like that you know the idea of the media being on you i get that i understand i can i can empathize with it being a thing but why the fuck were you in a band in the first place it wasn't because you were going to uh you know just play just play indie indie rock bands in a shitty uh in a shitty bar for the rest of your life for cover
0: yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're 13th on the list of the fringe stage at Lollapalooza
1: <laughs> yeah no 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 that's not the career that you wanted you wanted to be one of these big bands that played in a big stadium and nailed big bucks and fuck all the groupie we know that's what you were there for that's the only reason why people get in bands
0: uh, if not you go on Broadway
1: <laughs> yeah it's To an orchestra, if you wanted to play music that meant something, yeah, yeah. Uh, You're getting into show business, not show integrity, not show, you know, it's. You know, anytime people get
0: out there and then whine about how bad they have it, it does kind of piss me off. I'm so bloody rich and powerful. I hate it.
1: It's one of the most entertaining things about that Metallica documentary where you're watching them fall apart uh, during uh, the... Whatever the hell. The, the, the shitty... Saint anger. anger, yeah.
0: When
1: they're working on that shit album, and you're watching them fall apart, and you're just seeing them... You know, it's like... You do see that they are, are people, but you all see that they're whiny, rich people.
0: Yeah, and Dave Mustaine comes in, and he goes, no matter what you do, you seem to succeed. No matter how many times you change your sound, I can't get anywhere. And I'm like... You're Dave Mustang too, all right? I mean, just, you're all fucking successful. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Still yeah, butthurt yeah. that <laughs> Crushim didn't It wasn't a huge hit.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, it, that's... that. All that being said, I don't think the Benz is a bad
0: album. All right. <laughs> all right, we dragged this one out long enough. Your turn. All
1: right, my next one up is gonna be... Who says I don't listen to popular music? Green Day, Insomniac.
0: Yeah, this one is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, alternative album of that year, right?
1: I think so. And, and granted, it was writing high off Dookie, which was
0: what's <laughs> <laughs> the wording of that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 this is high off Dookie. This only sold two million copies. Are you fucking serious? Wow.
1: But that's the thing. This is a heavier and much punkier album than uh, dookie ever was
0: yeah i remember it being uh more grunge infused i would say more complex and I, I can't remember how people took that i only remember a couple of hits off this one walking contradiction and uh geek stink breath i don't remember anything else well, they did do have their brain stew and it was also with jaded because those two songs kind of just go into each other. I I gotta I gotta listen to them again because I can't remember now. But yeah, th- those are like the three things. Uh, now I'm curious if you did you, did you hear the Godzilla soundtrack? Uh, yes, I own that one. Okay, you do. So you
1: know the uh, the, the quote unquote remix of Brain Stew.
0: Is that the one where Godzilla's screaming?
1: Yeah, it's just the song.
0: Yeah, and and it's it like. It's. Is, uh, is that it? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, basically, I. This this didn't hit the zeitgeist as much as, uh, as the previous album. Uh, and I was reading some of the complaints about this, which, uh, like, in reviews, that made me laugh because it's like. They are you know, like they are growing like uh the clash who branched their sound out. And I'm just thinking about going, this album is filled with growth. Like everything about this is a far far more uh mature in thought in how they're putting together these sounds and it's yes it is more of the same pop punkness. They're not doing reggae or some shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. They went from ten million albums down to two, so I can see how the label probably got nervous Why Nimrod's a little more mainstream
1: Yeah and that's kind of the thing they, they corrected quote unquote To Nimrod But uh, this, I, this I think is A, a brave choice And uh, kind of what you needed to do Is You need to work You know work on yourself
0: Yeah you know, and, well this yeah. is like their Pinkerton Except they had a little more success
1: Yeah and it's I, they, they worked this and then yeah then they found they found their success really at with nimrod and onward but uh yeah it's not just not just the songs we mentioned as being singles but 86 is a hell of a song westbound sign panic song which has this weird like the who sort of opening it kind of feels like uh not who you are who are you uh the one that everyone gets the name wrong, they call it Teenage Wasteland.
0: Oh, right. It? Fuck, what is that called? Um, yeah, why can't I think of the damn name of the song? But, uh, Bob O'Reilly?
1: Bob, yeah, it has okay. this kind of Bob O'Reilly-esque opening to it. And it just kind of goes into a, a standard punk type song, but like so weird. Uh, but this thing is This thing is so great and uh, I've run out what to say about it. Okay. <laughs>
0: My next one is another one of those just... I'm just going to admit now, I'm not going to keep saying this, Well, their mainstream coffee shop rock is um, A Boy Named Goo by the Goo Goo Dolls. Now, this is the only album I think I really like from them, and it's right before they realize, oh, we need to appeal to, you know, like, a much older audience, women or whatever. This one still has some rocking... Uh, tunes, but the one song on this that I don't care for, just because I'm so sick of it, is "Name," and that's the one that changed their sound because it was so massive. And I can kind of see why they did what they did, because they—I mean, this is their what their fourth, fifth album, and they weren't selling very well. And they finally, finally had a hit, or whatever, and why they moved in that direction It's kind of like the way Sugar Ray decided, you know, that oh that one song, we got to do all of our songs like that now. Yeah.
1: You gotta understand, you know this is this is
0: true. The Google Goo Dolls is a
1: shitty name for a band.
0: Yo, oh, fuck yeah, it's god yeah. awful. And
1: let's—I know I'll be honest. This is the reason why I never actually listened to them when they were out. And it's really a shame because they're really fucking good. Even even adult adult contemporary uh, stuff that they did later is really fucking good. And.
0: You know, it's like, had they not had that name, this would have been an album I own. Yeah, the first time I had heard of them is they do the opening track for Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. And, you know, that that sat around for, I mean, they didn't really have any hits after that. I mean, that's if you count as a hit. Getting into a movie was actually a big deal back then. Um, But Long Way Down, I think, is their best track ever and i wish all their albums sounded like that but like i said they went in the direction of name but not a whole lot to say about this it's just really good uh like medium level rock what do you call us like uh collective soul level live level
1: yeah yeah it's it's that kind of uh, it's alternative but it's not the alternative that truly you
0: know moved anyone yeah and it's not overwrought yeah we just you know, those things where if you liked it, if you liked the single, you
1: ended up buying the album, and it would it would sit there on your shelf, and maybe you listened to it every now and then. Yeah, it's a, it's a comfort rock album, effectively. When you had I
0: mean, ladies and, visiting your dorm room. <laughs>
1: yeah, I. But I'll say this: I saw these guys live in 2019.
0: I oh think really? Who were yeah. they with? Uh,
1: they were with Train.
0: No. Oh. That's even softer than I expected. Okay.
1: And train, uh, I didn't really know anything by them, so it was okay. But
0: they were good; it was really good. I had a great time with them Well, that's good. All right, what's the next one?
1: All right, swap over to that list, and all right, we're gonna go along with some more, uh, <clears throat> more mainstream stuff. How about
0: the self-titled or quote-unquote blue album by Three Eleven? The Blue Album by Weezer. I was like, hold on a second. Where did I did that? I was obsessed with this album. Like, absolutely fucking obsessed. I even had the poster. I don't know if you've seen the picture I posted on Facebook, but you can see it behind my head in in, uh, college as I had the 311 poster for years of this album cover. And I was so blown away by it. That's why I went back and got all of their older albums like off of, I think, BMG or Columbia House or something like that. I even got... They had a videotape called Enlarge to show detail, which was a concert behind the scenes, and then it came with a little individual like EP thing with a few like cover tracks. I was just so into this new sound. This is like the next level between Beastie Boys, but before the uh, the new metal, the rap metal. I guess yeah. this is almost like has a SoCal feel, like the way Sublime was.
1: Yeah, because it's. It's an album of alternative rock, hip-hop, and reggae that it flows amazingly well. And, like, we talked about music, you know, a couple of years prior to this. And, you know, it's like, yeah, they're trying to figure out the sound. And then you had Grassroots, which I really don't like because it's it's this dark, you know, dark, muddy-sounding thing. And you can still kind of hear them developing what they're going to do. And then you get to to this album and it's everything that they're doing is, you know, has come, come to fruition. They figured out this is what the three eleven sounds going to be. We're going to, you know, rap on these things, but we're also going to have crunchy guitar work and everything is going to just, it's, it's just not necessarily like it's a brand new thing. But it's the most—it's
0: a perfected version of what, like is it like Sublime and stuff. We're trying to do it. Yeah, only a little bit of Chili Peppers in there too. But it's definitely—it feels like SoCal, definitely influenced by Island, you know, or Reggae and stuff like that. And oh. this isn't their best album. I think it'd be a couple more years. I, I, I want to say like uh, the Transistor or whatever the the, the two thousand one album was probably their best. where... They they, they they mellow out a bit I think after like 2003, 2005 because I some their, their more recent albums are more chill um, but this is like just kick-ass I threw this in my uh, truck when I was driving around delivering pizzas during college and just, I mean it's a real quick one too I think it's like 30-40 minutes or whatever and it's just one of those really fun quick listens none of the songs yeah. overstay their welcome
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's what's also kind of nice about some of these things is yeah, the album is like a half
0: hour listen you get you get through it it's like I think 14 tracks but you know things like 3 to 2 minutes long and you just pop 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 yeah right so mm-hmm. even if you
1: don't like a song it's gonna be over
0: soon <laughs> I've always thought it was interesting is usually with bands like this one guy is the rapper and one or the screamer and the other guy is the like the, the solid singer but both Nick Hexum and um fuck I can't remember the other guy's name the little guy um they both rap and they both sing and I think they both have very good voices just a very unique sound. Yeah,
1: and, yeah, I can't get the guy's name but it's mostly because Nick Hexham is
0: mostly uh, the guy who's name dropping himself anyway. Yeah, well, (laughs) I hate that about rap. I hate it when you drop your name. (laughs) Bus a bus. (laughs) The, um, Mike Barbiglia, the stand-up comedian was talking about that. He was like, uh, we don't just sit there after each joke and say, Mike Barbiglia <laughs> like a rapper will. Yeah, most, more people need to do
1: that. Everyone needs to do that. Everyone needs to have their name name drop in most songs.
0: People I think like- I think I should yeah. do it I think I should do it after I help anybody at work. <laughs> if you need any help, just let me know. Michael Cook. <laughs> Alright. What's your next one? Uh no. Oh, it is your turn. Okay, sorry. Or you did do 311. Sorry, because that was originally on mine. I thought it was... Uh... Okay, so mine is Collective Soul, the self-titled album. Uh, uh, let me bring this up, because they usually usually prepared, and I'm not prepared. Is this their first album? I can't remember. No. This is, well, this is the second one, right? It is, it, is their, it is their
1: second album, but technically considered their first. I was reading about this one, and it kind of felt like uh, the,
0: the previous album was more of a... Demo collection. Okay, there it is. Yeah, hints and allegations. I knew there was something interesting about the order of their albums. Remember how I brought up like I think only your debut album should be self-titled because it gets confusing on which your first album is. <laughs> it's like putting a two or, or you know when movie titles they change it out of order, you're like, huh? Um yeah, so this is their second one. The first one you're right, it doesn't feel like it's gelled. Ha <laughs> ha Ah, I'm so proud of myself for that one. Yeah, Shine is <laughs> the best, is the best thing
1: off that album and then everything they did they kind of refined it into
0: this album. Yeah, it's funny is if you think about all their hits almost every single one of them is from this album. Because we got like 6 hits off of this one, maybe 2 off the next and one off the then one after that and they were done. They broke so big. I, either they ran out of material they wanted to write about that could make a hit single, or people were just sick of them, like there was was with uh, Hootie and the Blowfish.
1: Yeah, yeah. I this wasn't a band that like uh, defined me or anything at the time. I don't think this is a groundbreaking album, uh, but uh, it's a pleasant album to listen to. I like Collective Soul.
0: I love gel so fucking much and I didn't even have it on this album. I don't even think I even had this album. I had the Jerky Boy soundtrack which was the big promotional single off that album and it's just it's so crunchy and bouncy and fun da 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 and I was worried like going back on this band I thought that they were a Christian band for some reason like you know how live is kind of spiritual and stuff like that. I thought Collective Soul because I remember Shine being a religious song And I remember my youth pastor at the time was really talking it up. And I was like, I don't remember. Was this band a religious band or whatever? I was a little worried. And I was like, no, I forgot. This is a lot of fun. Uh, December in the world I know were the the ballady ones, the biggest ones off of this. But Gel and Smashing Young Man uh, and Where the River Flows is really good, too. Oh, God, yes. God, yes. Yeah, I think people forget that they were kind of a crunchy, fun, bouncy band that you know took grunge into a a, a different place instead of just being like uh, all maudlin and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I got nothing bad to say about this. I enjoyed this one just so much. I, it's it is a fun album, and I it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, I don't know if I would have owned it,
0: but it definitely would have felt right to have had it up. I feel like this is the album that all your buddies owned and that's how you absorb the song so you didn't own it yourself but at least one of your close friends did that's, that's kind of how some stuff
1: uh, for me was like I discovered music in some cases because the friends that I had you know like that was
0: talking with, with both the yeah, of them yeah and Ruth Ruth for me so um, alright what is your uh, next album next album is Moloko and Do You Like My Tight Sweater okay I wanted to like this band. I kind of got into them at first, but for some reason it just started to fade away about halfway through the album. But it's interesting. It's a, it's a unique sound that I wasn't prepared for. Yeah, I, and I totally
1: get why he didn't, why he kind of faded through, because it isn't an, I'll I phrase like this, it isn't an easy listen, but it is a very easy listen, because it's very pop. It's it's a hard band to label, because they're electronic acts. Uh, and it's got a lot of trip hop elements, but then it's
0: heavier than like we did Portishead or like Massive Attack or Right, right. That. Or Eels, you know. Yeah, it's like Butterfly
1: 747, when the song's up, is, is like a drum and bass track. And, but it's like, yeah, you try to come up with like, uh, is it alternative electronica? Is it alternative techno? What, what is this? And it's fun it's got a sense of humor it does have these little interstitials that are kind of annoying i will admit to that like what is it was like a, there's one about a monkey it's just kind of like like dirty monkey it's like okay weird but it's just you're kind of having this weird goofy time with some uh weird you know weirdly female-fronted electronic stuff and, like, the biggest song off this was uh, Fun For Me, which was, which didn't get some decent MTV airplay and was on the Batman and Robin soundtrack.
0: Oh, okay. But, you know, like, Day For Night, Lotus Eaters, and uh,
1: Where Is The What If The What Is The Why? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have to say it's slow, because if I, I would have tripped over the shit of that song. The song title... But those are songs that are definitely worth checking out, and it is, like I said, it's a fun album all the way through, even if, yeah, you get some some things and be like, oh, that's kind of dumb skip. I wouldn't be like, how dare you, sir? How dare you skip that 15-second track of bullshit? But that is it for me on Minoko.
0: Alright, so my final one of this episode, like I said, we're splitting this in half because it's a long-ass list, uh, is the self-titled debut of the Foo Fighters, and I feel like there was something so fresh and unique about what they were trying to do at the time, and I don't know, it felt like it was cleaning the slate, and maybe it was necessary for Dave Grohl to not to sound like Nirvana or not really sound like anything that was going on at the time. Now it just seems completely normal because we've listened to so much, many other songs over the years. But it, a lot more about round harmonies, I think uh, more driving guitars, not so melancholy, I would say, is what Nirvana was known for. Um, I think the one thing that everybody remembers from this, of course, is the... Uh, what were the little candies? The Mentos. Uh, the pair the parody video Big Me but um, I st- I'll stick around Their first video is just such a banger and this is a call I really just knocked the doors down and told you that we're here you know yeah and Foo Fighters is probably my favorite band that I don't actually really listen to mm-hmm.
1: it, like I will say Color and the Shape is probably it's, it's definitely in the top 10 of my favorite albums of all time maybe in the top 5 I would genuinely have to go and Try and list that. That's a very good possibility. But for the most part, I don't listen to the Foo Fighters. Yeah. I don't really know why. It's just... It's one of those things where I'm so fucking happy they exist. Uh Uh-huh. And and it seems like if I... I'll hear a song of theirs I like, and that'll kind of be enough. And just... I know I've heard this one, uh, Call of the Shape, obviously, there's another one of the albums kind of in the middle there somewhere, and then like the last two or three albums I've heard
0: as well. I think that what they did wrong, uh, what was it, around 2007, is where they did the double album. I never like double albums, because I feel like they're just watering down the material too much, and that's kind of when they started to lose me, but I would say, I mean, this is their debut, but their best isn't coming for probably another five, six years, they're just one of the last great arena rock bands and the fact that they just like to have fun um yeah that's the thing I, I genuinely look at them and listen to the music and i go this
1: is fun music yeah and i enjoy and i and i enjoy and Dave Grohl seems like he is probably one of the nicest you know musicians on the planet and i genuinely don't want to ever find out, that that's
0: wrong. <laughs> well, okay, and I'm going to bring this up because uh, it's been going around the last week. You don't pay attention to Twitter as much as I do, and I shouldn't, but um, you know when he donated a whole bunch of food and time to the food shelter, what, like two weeks ago or something like that? I did not hear oh, that. Oh, um, and then someone was going around saying, and it, it is true, and he has apologized and made up for it, but, you know, like 20 years ago, uh, he performed at a concert in South Africa or whatever for some AIDS denial mm-hmm guy and not i guess he didn't realize whatever it was he's apologized for it you know and and times have changed and his ideas have changed um and that he now does lots of stuff to benefit you know raising money for aids concerts and stuff like that i mean so i mean we make mistakes especially when we're younger and if you you know if you don't let people be forgiven that's more on you if you yeah. if you legitimately apologize for a mistakes you made in the past and try to make up for it, that's good in my book. I mean, it's not like Mel Gibson, who still has never apologized for any of the horrid shit that he does, and he still gets work. And it might not like a list well, studio stuff, but you know, that's it's a big difference.
1: Well, that's the thing is the the difference is is apologizing and doing better and actually genuinely seeming like you're sorry about something. Versus apologizing because he got caught. Yeah. Or, for the case of like, say Bono doing a charity to raise awareness of AIDS, not not to do anything about it, but to raise awareness. And the money also goes to Bono. Oh. Not not to it. That's one of the reasons why Bono's a piece of shit. Is yeah, it's his whole charity is bullshit because. I think we're all kind of aware that AIDS exists. Why aren't you doing anything to actually fund research or something?
0: Yeah, that's insane. I didn't know that. All right, but that's it all I have to say about this album.
1: Yeah, it, but yeah, it's a... Foo Fighters is a band that I'm I'm glad exists, and, you know, it's like, yeah,
0: it's fun. It looks like they're having fun, and... That, know, that like, movie I is hilarious, that, by the way. If you haven't seen Studio 666, it's fucking... That's a fucking riot.
1: I, I still want to. I haven't gotten around to it yet, sadly. But yeah, it just everything about it just seems like it's a good time. I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other about it. It's just like, oh yeah, this was a this is a pleasant album. And it was just kind of yeah, these
0: songs are strong. I love the video for Big Me. Yeah, it's <laughs> and, it's a good start.
1: Yeah, it's definitely it. It was a good cathartic thing for Dave girls to do after uh, after the death of Kurt Cobain. So and I'm
0: glad that it turned into something. Yeah, yeah. All right, what's your last album with this episode? Actually, I think that my album was the last one. Wait, hold on. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, yeah, it is. Wait, one, two, three, four, yeah. five. Wait, am I missing? Oh, Malaco, I forgot to mark it out, dummy. Yeah. All right, sure so that's know. it for this episode. We'll be back with part two. Hopefully, you know, within the next week or whatever. Um, and, John, do you want to plug anything before we go? Uh, I still exist on Twitter, but... Yeah. I
1: don't really do anything
0: on it. It's kind of gross, huh? Yeah, uh, uh,
1: yeah. But always kind of was. It was always kind of gross. I just. I'm glad I'm not
0: inundated with too much right wing horseshit, other than what other people post. Said, look at this jackass. Yeah, I know. My fault. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, you know what? How about this? Instead of plugging, because you know where. I mean, if you listen to the show, you know where to find us. If we miss any albums from 1995 that you liked, uh, just let us know, and we'll give it a listen. Maybe we'll add it to uh, an episode later down the road, where it's like the albums that we missed over the last, you know, so many years. Well, hell,
1: I mean, there's one. You know, at the end of every, at the end of all the, uh, the finals of these shows, we do talk about ones that we
0: were planning on doing. That's true. There's only there's been, I to tell you the true. There's only been a couple albums where I'm like, oh shit, I somehow missed that, or I didn't discover it till later. Um... And then some are like, oh, because I got really uh, upset because I was like, oh shit, I forgot to listen to this or whatever, and then I'll listen to it and go, no, we're good, we're good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like, there's always that stuff that we do too. So if you haven't heard us say, you know, your favorite album, one, there's also another half to the show.
0: Yeah, true. There are are albums that we do, we will still, we would have talked about had we, you know, had an infinite amount of time. I can't wait to get to the next episode because my debut album is going to be one that you're going to laugh at because it's so fucking immature but I love it anyway. Because I'm a man child. That's true. Yeah, I did listen to that one. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Alright, that's it everybody. Have a good one. See ya.